Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we have a breaking achievement for the Knicks today. They win 116-106 to 106 over the Pelicans, and Gavin, this is the first four-game win streak of the season. It was so long in the making, and it feels so good. They were due for it, buoyed by a 40-point third quarter and a fourth quarter where they held the Pelicans to just 17 points. The Knicks pulled away late, a 116-106 victory. Julius Randle continues his rampage against his former teams, 32 points, 8 boards, 5 assists. We will get into that another big fourth quarter for Alec Burks, who maybe is a high-level candidate for our Michelob Player of the Week. Or, excuse me, our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. And just a reminder to join us on Locker Room later today as well. We are going to be doing our fifth weekly Fan Friday. I'm starting to lose count because we've done so many now, but they've been so much fun every time that we've done them. Last week was one of our biggest ones yet. All you have to do is download the Locker Room app and join us at 5.30 for our Fan Friday discussion. It's a great time. You get to be on the podcast on our Friday episode this week. So if you want to come on, talk with us, talk with others, uh, have a good time, you know, speaking and just chatting in the in the text chat, whatever is your speed, feel free to come in and, and just hang out with us. It's been a really good time these first few times. Uh, so definitely swing through on the locker room app later today if you can. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at the strick.land in your web browser. He is Gavin Shaw. A nearly active duty play-by-play broadcaster again, and a, of course, Knicks podcaster by night. And we are breaking down, again, the Knicks 116-106 to win over the New Orleans Pelicans. Julius versus Zion won. We won't call this RJ versus Zion won because it was uh, it was not the best game for RJ, which we'll get into in a minute, but... You know, Julius Randle versus Zion Williamson, uh, two guys that are built very similar but play very differently, and both are stars for their team. Julius Randle takes this round. And uh, Gavin, I I thought it was a great game for Julius. Uh, Obviously, uh, by the end, it was a great game for him. He had a pretty shaky first half, but ultimately pulled it through for the Knicks. Also, Alec Burks, huge for the Knicks, 21 points, 7-12 shooting, 4-7 from three. Seven rebounds, uh, just a a fantastic performance for Burks in this game. 
I mean, really, other than Randall, most of the other starters kind of struggled in this game. Uh, Reggie Bullock, I guess you can make a case for, had a had a pretty decent game, but it was it was a large bench presence sort of game again, and uh, Burks had a huge part in that with those 21 points off the bench, most of which came in the second half and the fourth quarter. Uh, but Gavin, where do you want to, where do you want to start? Should we just start generally on our feelings at the fact that the Knicks finally, after five previous attempts, five previous three game win streaks could never get that elusive fourth straight win, finally get over the hump in this game, get a fourth straight win and not at a better time because now they're headed to go face Dallas uh, in another surely high energy, high emotion sort of game, particularly after how Dallas kind of spanked them the last time around. Yeah, it felt sort of similar to the Timberwolves game to me throughout, or, or at least through like the first half and like a good chunk of the third quarter, where the Knicks were playing a clearly inferior team, but we're, we're letting them hang in it. And, and normally New Orleans, like obviously a way worse record than the Knicks, but I would just kind of blame that on conference and say, all right, but they still have a lot of talent. But tonight, no Lonzo Ball, no Nikhil Alexander-Walker, no Josh Hart. They were really down bad at the point guard position. So so Kyra Lewis ended up playing a good chunk of the game for them there. They brought out a bunch of guys you probably never heard of before. Um, James, I think I'm getting that first name right if I remember correctly. Not only um, Najee Marshall, who I was actually a big fan of, Adam Xavier, and he played super, super well in this game, which I, which I like to see. Um, but that's neither here nor there. The point was this is a Pelicans team bereft of a lot of key pieces, uh, a team that's already not particularly inclined defensively. And it was it was crucial that the Knicks won this game and win games like this because if not, you, you come down to the end of the season and, and you're lamenting like all of a sudden you're in the playing tournament and you have a chance of like ending up in the lottery, which again not not the not the biggest fear of mine. But for the people who do find that a really negative outcome, um, it, it, you would look back at a game like this and say like they screwed the pooch. And, and instead of that, like it wasn't even dramatic down the stretch because the Knicks did their job and closed it out. Julius Randle, like big, big, big third quarter for him. Reggie Bullock got hot in the second and again in the third and fourth. And then Alex, of course, you, you mentioned Alec Burks creating and hitting big shot after big shot down the stretch. And I was really impressed with how the Knicks defense tightened up because I thought Clyde sort of hit the nail on the head earlier. It really did feel like a pickup game or like a preseason game um, where, where like both teams are just kind of running and gunning and almost, almost like an agreement where it was like, hey, we've all been playing a lot this year. Let's just let's just chill out. We'll, we'll keep it even through th- two and a half quarters, and then we'll, we'll see who wins down the stretch. Kind of like an all-star game, honestly. And, I mean, give give the Pelicans some credit. Zion was, was essentially unstoppable. I, I was fascinated to see if Julius Randle could challenge him a little bit. As, um, I mean, probably like the closest physical replica you have to Zion in the league, even if he doesn't have Quite that top tier athleticism, I would guess, isn't quite as strong or quite as heavy. Like Julius, Julius is like right in that conversation and pretty close. But it, it, it was to, to little effect tonight, despite Randall guarding Zion throughout the game and Tibbs um, at points in the first half intentionally subbing Randall out so he could sub back in with Zion. And then the Knicks defense really walling up against him. I mean, like you see teams do against Giannis in the playoffs. Um, it didn't really matter that much. Zion still got his. Brandon Ingram uh, got a little cold down the stretch, but some insane shot making. But the Knicks just sort of rode out that storm and allowed their role players to carry them home to capitalize on what was a really, really good Randall game, Alex. So I'm, I'm, I'm just encouraged that the Knicks, um, the Knicks closed this one out. When in the past this season, they've let games like this slip through their hands. Yeah, you know, Gavin, I said this. We record our little Locked On Now videos uh, after every game that go up on the the Locked On channel, and the one. 
realization that I came to after this game, and maybe it's just the high of the four game win streak, but I guess briefly before we end this first segment, what, how do you feel now about the Knicks playoff chances? You just mentioned like that, that, you know, there's, there's a chance there, there's a chance, however small that things could still go belly up and, and they could end up missing the playoffs, but games like this, I feel like they're finally starting to figure it out. Like I'm starting to think that the play in is a less likely scenario than them. Well, okay. I shouldn't say this. It, the play in I could see maybe happening from the sense of them being a seven or eight seed. Um, but I, I feel like seven or eight seed is almost their floor at this point. It just kind of feels like the Knicks are not letting themselves get lower than that point to me right now. And they, and they seem to have the ability to, you know, realize when they, they've sort of let their foot off the gas and put it back on and, you know, just will themselves to some of these wins, make sure that they, they, you know, finish these teams off now I think they're kind of learning from their mistakes from that Timberwolves game, from the games where they played good teams tight and ultimately blew it down the stretch. Uh, it just feels to me like they're making a lot of progress lately. But again, maybe it's just the high of the four-game win streak. But where are you at as far as like playoff confidence levels at this point? No, I'm, not, I'm on the same page as you. I, I just think the East came together for them in a really significant way. I, I had every expectation that Toronto was going to make a push and, and probably even surpass the Knicks after the All-Star break. Instead, I, I, I'm looking at their record now, and I almost can't believe how bad it is, 22 and 34. I read earlier today that they've won just three of their last 18 games, which is, I think, kind of nuts because that team still has a lot of talent on, on paper. I mean, Kyle Lowry, Gary Trent had a game where he went like 17 of 19 the other week, OG Ananobi, um, Chris Boucher had a 38-19 game the other day. There's really good players on the team, but for whatever reason, I, I haven't been keeping up with them specifically. They, they just haven't been able to put it together and win games. Chicago has sucked since they got Nikola Vucevic, which I, I was a little worried about that defensively, but I, I, I thought in my mind, I was like, all right, they're going to... They're going to rip up some wins, and they're going to they're going to challenge the Knicks just by outscoring teams. That has not come to fruition. Indiana, um, a, a last seen on my part a, a night ago, and they still did not have TJ Warren back. And Karis LeVert, as much as I like him as a player, just hasn't really seemed to fit in there. Charlotte is, is just out of it with injuries. Lamelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Malik Monk—they're the eight seed right now behind the Knicks. They're they're game back, um, and I just I'm not particularly worried about them honestly I, I just think they they're they have too little talent at this point I think James Borrego does a great job there as a coach so I'm I'm with you I think you can make a pretty compelling case the next floor is seven I would hold back on that because Indiana is still a team with the frontline talent especially if Warren comes back in the near future um where they could put it together but I, I feel pretty confident the Knicks are going to be seven or eight. And the, and the question for me in, in regards to them getting higher than that, it, it's all about Atlanta, who's been on a massive, massive hot streak since Nate McMillan took over. They've won seven of their last, or yeah, they've won seven of their last ten games. Um, it, it, they're the team to me that would have to fall down for the Knicks to to clear that playing round. Uh, right now, New York's game and a half back. I wouldn't bank on them doing that. I really like the way Atlanta's playing. And, and theoretically, I mean, you could argue this might disrupt their rhythm, but uh, as they continue to get healthier, get Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, uh, I, I know a couple other guys are still out for them. As, as they continue to get back to full strength, I, I think they're really going to solidify um, a four, five, or six seed. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Knicks, and I'm pretty, I can pretty confidently say right now they're going to end up seven or eight when it's all said and done. 
Yep. I, uh, if I didn't make it clear enough, I feel pretty much the same way about all that right now. And uh, you know what? We've, we've mentioned it briefly for a moment, but I think it's time to bring up the fact that we have a Michelob Ultra Player of the Week to give out for this week. And that player for this week is based almost solely off tonight, although he's been playing pretty well lately. Alec Burks is our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And you know what Michelob Ultra says, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And Alec Burks seemed to be enjoying himself tonight. You know, he has a funny way of showing it. He's not... He's not quite like uh, RJ or Julius or any or, you know, the bench mob like Theo Pinson or or Obi Toppin or whatever that gets super, super hype about things. But there were some big smiles on Alec Burke's face tonight because he knew that he went out there to be a cold blooded assassin. And that is exactly what he did. He came out there and he ripped the Pelicans heart out down the stretch, said, nope, you guys don't get to win. We are the New York Knicks. We're better than you and we are going to win this game. And, you know, he, he was playing pretty light. It, you know, that's it reminds me of Michelob Ultra, which only has 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, I might add. Pretty light, light beer there. And, you know, maybe that's that's Alec Burks's drink of choice tonight. Rather than cracking some victory champagne, maybe he's going to crack a victory Michelob Ultra because it won't weigh him down for the Knicks game at Dallas on Friday. And, you know, really... Joy creates success. Alec Burks was clearly enjoying himself, and that created his success in this particular game. And, you know, it's it's important to note that enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. That's the case when you're drinking a Michelob Ultra as well. You get to enjoy yourself and not feel the guilt of all those calories and carbs of other beers. You just get to have a nice time, have a couple beers with your friends, hopefully in more socially acceptable settings sooner than later with vaccine rollouts and everything. Uh, So, you know, there's going to be plenty of great times with Michelob Ultra ahead. And really the big question here is, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? In the case of Alec Burks, I think he wins because he's happy. He's, you know, he's a little bit of a stoic king, but he does his thing. He's, he's pretty happy. And uh, it, it shows, particularly on nights like this, where he's really cooking. And that is why he is our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. All right, and we're back to Locked On Knicks. But if you want to get the scoop on all the other sports news you need in under 20 minutes, look no further than the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Again, that app is Odyssey, uh, which is spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. Check the app out. It has all your favorite Locked On podcasts, plus probably a bunch of your other favorite podcasts and maybe some podcasts that will become your favorite that you don't even know yet. So check out the Odyssey app today for sure. And we're back discussing this 116 to 106 win by the Knicks over the Pelicans. And we just awarded him the highly prestigious Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And now it's time to to fully break down Alec Burks' game, I think, Gavin. I mentioned the stat line earlier. 21 points, 7 to 12 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3. Did most of that damage in the third and fourth quarter. 
uh, particularly the fourth quarter where he was just an absolute sniper, a demoralizer, a dream crusher for the Pelicans. They just, uh, he wasn't even running anything that advanced. He was, uh, most of his points I feel like just came off of quick uh, like screen and, and, you know, like Taj Gibson would set him a screen up the three point line. And then he would either pop just inside the line for a mid range jumper or just, like use the screen and pop up for a three-point jumper. Uh, I think he maybe hit one or two spot-ups, but he was doing a lot of damage off the dribble. Uh, managed to get inside for a couple buckets as well. Had uh, a pretty nice and one at one point, if I remember correctly. And just a, a lot of great play from Alec Burks. I, you know, I, I think that it was... He's had some really good games this year. I So I, I struggle to call it his best, but... I will say just the latest in a long line of great late game performances from Burks this year. But what were your thoughts? Like what were some plays that stood out and stuff like that to you? I, I, I don't know if there was really one in particular in this game. Because I mean, to your point, it's just it's it's what he's been doing all year. I, I will say the one thing I, I really liked in terms of specific plays is is he had a really, really nice um double team to force a, a turnover. I think it I think it led to an offensive foul. I can't remember it might have been on Zion or it might have been on Najee Marshall. But I, I just I liked seeing some defensive instincts from him. And I, I thought early in this game the Knicks were really, really bad defensively. And that carried over into the third quarter where it just I don't know. They seemed I, I couldn't tell if they were tired or like emotionally exhausted or I mean just playing in the NBA is really hard. But I, I don't. I didn't think they had their usual intensity, and I think they were making things a little bit easy on a New Orleans team that I, I was. I was kind of hoping they would jump on and blow out early, just because they they didn't really have. I mean, no no shots at Kyra Lewis, who I love, and I think it's going to be really good. But at this point, they didn't really have starting NBA level point guard play, and I like to see someone from Burks, who I mean, people who are are better than better than me, and at watching film and breaking down defenses, you hear it over and over again that he's he's been pretty consistently the weak link for the Knicks like um certainly certainly when he's in with the starters he, he's the one guy teams can really target so I, I liked him doing something proactive on defense and maybe maybe that got him going offensively a little bit where he just started banging threes getting to his spots and, and he I've said this before but he he absolutely provides a unique service on, on the Knicks because there isn't there isn't really another consistent off the dribble three-level scoring guard who who's also a pretty good passer like doesn't really take anything off the table offensively and in the Knicks for, for them to ascend to the next level past like being like a nice feel-good story playoff team you got to find more guys like that and and obviously I mean the the kind of fly in the ointment with Burks is he doesn't give that to you every night um so I know I'm not breaking any news here but I, I think you, you just really really appreciate it from Burks when you get it and, and it, it kind of highlights oh yeah the Knicks the Knicks don't totally have that presence. And I know people would argue RJ when he's rolling like he has the last few weeks gives you some of that. Um, but he, even with RJ, it's it's hard to get complete games from him where he's hitting his threes. He's scoring in the mid range. He's, he's getting to the line. He's getting to the rim. It, it, it's once in a blue moon, even even when he's playing really, really well. So it, it's absolutely great to see that from Alec Burks. But Alex, let's let's circle back to Julius Randle. Um, uh, 42 minutes. Um, you, you were, you were, uh, I'll, I'll let you say the stat, but you were, you were telling me a little bit pre-show really pretty cold shooting first half and then absolutely turned it on in the second, um, to cap off a, a second 30 point game in, in a nominal revenge outing against a former team. Well, Gavin, I will bring up that second half stat in just a moment, but first I need to bring up, it seemed to me 
like Julius really had an edge in the second half, like something changed. And I almost wonder if he had himself a built bar at halftime because he seemed to have a lot more energy after the half. He seemed reinvigorated. He was ready to rock and made much better decisions. He was locked in almost like he had this like protein boost that tasted really yummy at halftime that just kind of gave him the drive that he needed. And what else would he have eaten to potentially get that other than, again, Built Bar? Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar ever. They have so many fantastic flavors such as cookies and cream, which is one of my absolute favorites. Coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy. Uh, You got mint brownie if you love mint flavor, just super, super yummy. Salted caramel, toffee almond, all kinds of great stuff with Built Bar. And every single bar is covered in 100% natural chocolate. They are all soft and easy to choose. So you get that candy bar experience without all that candy bar guilt. And on top of it, they're good for you. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. For example, the coconut almond bar, again, one of my favorites, has 18 grams of protein compared to just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. The cookies and cream bar, my other favorite, has 17 grams of protein compared to just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So if you want to get some for yourself and get big and strong and have a great second half to your day, to your pickup basketball game, to whatever, just like Julius Randle, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And we also have to tell you about one of our continual favorites at Locked On Knicks, and that is the place you want to put some money down. If you get an insider tip that Julius Randle has had a Built Bar at halftime and you say, huh, what's what's the over-under for Julius Randle's second-half point total or rebound total or assist total? There's a place... You can do that. It's Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are absolutely in full swing. My Rangers, they're doing pretty good. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if everyone's stopping your tracks. You use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back. Third and final segment on the Lockdown Knicks podcast. But Alex, the one thing we, we haven't really done on this podcast in, in, a, in a little while is talk about draft prospects. We, we got to catch up. And to do that, we have to listen to Locked On NBA Draft. If you want to get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft, you can do so with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y app, or wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, I'm, I'm going to throw it right over to you. You, you had some, uh, some Julius Randle coverage that you owed me and, and our good listeners. Yeah, so Randle obviously had a really, really rough uh, first half, and it, it was enough to draw some, 
scorn from Pelicans Twitter or whatever uh, on our on our Strickland handle tonight. We had uh, Colin Loring on the handle, and he was uh, he made like a comment about how early on uh, Randall had hit. I think it was three for three from deep, uh, maybe three or four overall. And Zion had zero points early, and he was like, "Ha ha!" You know, <laughs> uh, Randall is like the better older version of Zion. And then, you know, Zion, of course, kind of picked his game up and that sort of put the kibosh on that. Uh, But Randall ultimately had a really bad first half. It was four for 15 shooting, winds up ending the game shooting 11 for 26. So that, of course, means that he shot, let's see, seven for 11 in the second half. That is pretty good. I'll take that. And I, I thought that he had a really, this was like a, Sort of one of those games where you got the full good and bad Julius Randle experience because he came out on fire, made three three pointers early, and you're like, oh hell yeah, this is gonna be like a probably like a forty point Julius Randle game, like this is gonna be great, blah blah. blah. And then like weirdly, he gets he gets subbed out early by Tibbs, uh, which was sort of a strategic thing because Nerlens Noel was a very late scratch, like right at the moment of game time scratch, apparently uh, hurt his ankle which I don't know if that happened during warmups or what, but um, he, he got scratched. Taj Gibson starts. And then it seemed like Tibbs was trying to kind of stagger Julius with Zion to try to make sure they were out there for the same times. But also to a degree, just sort of it looked like he was trying to save Julius's legs for maybe, you know, more minutes in the second half, which he did end up playing 42 minutes overall in this game. So it worked out kind of good. But once Julius came back in after that substitution, he for the rest of the first half was just kind of chucking, you know, it was like it was like he was trying to go one on one with Zion rather than play the team brand of ball that really works for him and, you know, really works for the Knicks and helps them run. And then in the second half, it was like a totally different player, you know, and maybe it was just that Burke started hitting shots, which in the first half, it was kind of a struggle for anyone to hit shots like, you know, Bullock hit a few. Uh, but again, mostly early and then kind of struggled um, going down the stretch of the first half. So maybe it was just his teammates started hitting more that he felt that he didn't have to put it on his shoulders quite so much. Um, but whatever the case was, like Julius, I thought, had a great second half, uh, which the numbers suggest, obviously. And it uh, it led to the Knicks winning, I think. I mean, ultimately, without his contributions in the second half, obviously Burks had a big part to play too. But Randall, I thought, made... Some really good plays down the stretch. Uh, you know, he made a couple shots. He also made some really nice passes. There was one point where the Knicks were on a break, and uh, Randall kind of got out and and was it was a situation where he could have gone up with it himself, but it wouldn't have been a perfect you know opportunity to go up for a layup without you know either taking a foul and having to do it at the free throw line or you know whatever or just getting contested or blocked or whatever. But instead, made a really nice heads up play. It, not the most spectacular pass I've ever seen from Randall, but like a semi no look to Taj Gibson, who then got an easy dunk in transition. Uh, I thought that was that was like arguably the dagger that you know just kind of put the the Pelicans away at that point. And I thought that was a great play from him. But Gavin, I'll throw it to you. You know, as far as if you have some moments that stood out to you for Julius, but I just like I said, the the main takeaway for me was that this was just like 
one of those games was like the total Julius Randle experience all in one. And luckily it ended with good Julius Randle <laughs> rather than starting with good and then ending with him playing bad down the stretch and, and the Knicks losing or something. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to, or, or at least reference uh, Kevin O'Connor's uh, excellent uh, NBA power rankings. He might've, I know he also wrote a Nick specific article this week that he, he might've gotten into this too, but he, he was talking about in it, how, um, Julius is getting um, increasingly adventurous in terms of attempting step back threes. And, and he also noted, I, I would say accurately that given the improvements that he, he made as a shooter this off season, which I, I think um, I, I referenced it when, when MSG put up a graphic on it, but hey, this is the second highest single season jump in three point percentage in NBA history. So suffice it to say very abnormal. You can't really put a cap on what Randall's going to be as a three point shooter. And, and there's also an argument to be made that there'll be some regression to the mean and he'll never shoot this well again. We'll have to wait until next year to see. But there, there is there's a chance that he becomes a guy who can start working in some some real off the bounce creativity. And, and he does that in small ways already. Right. Like he's really, really good on that step back from about 20 feet. And occasionally, um, I mean, today he like ventured out to three point range and hit one, too. When when you're really going to see him, I mean, potentially break basketball and become a capital S superstar is if he can string together multiple dribble moves, then step back, then hit a three. All of a sudden, you have a different guy. And, and you got to keep in mind, Julius Randle, still only 26 years old. James Harden was adding that step back to his game at like 30, 29, 30, maybe, maybe a little bit younger. Um, and I'm not saying Randle's going to become James Harden. I'm just saying there is a next step in his evolution there. And I think we should we should kind of be on the lookout for that any single night. And everyone at home should just take down a little bit of a note when Julius is hitting those crazy, crazy next level, multiple dribble move threes, because all of a sudden when you combine that with his size and his athleticism and his mid-range game that has turned somehow into one of the two or three best in the entire league this year – you're talking about a player who is just going to be unstoppable offensively. And the, the really dominant performances we've seen him have against um, average to below average teams, you're going to start seeing those consistently against the best teams in the league. And, and, and the fact is, um, I, I think the perception is starting to catch up with reality for Randall in that other teams are really respecting and fearing his mid-range game now. It's not it's not like earlier in the season where people are like, "All right, prove to me you can you can keep making these these crazy fadeaways." Like defenders are jumping out on those plays now and you're seeing you're seeing Julius take advantage of it where he'll hit a step back first or second possession of the game. The next time like the guy guarding him is like, "All right, I got to get to that." And he'll do the step back, he'll pump fake and and draw an Emmanuel quickly style foul. So I I like that you're seeing Randall like he's kind of it's almost like a superhero origin story where, where the the character is is realizing what his power is he randall's realizing um just how much of an effect his jumper is having on defenses and he, he's taking full advantage of it so to me that's that's really exciting that that's kind of the biggest takeaway from the last few days and, and weeks of julius is, is maybe we're seeing him start to make the next evolution in front of our eyes, Alex. Um, but you, I, I, I'm always the one who does this. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to you. Do you want to, to wrap up the show, go rapid fire on the rest of the Knicks and just share your thoughts on all of them? Yeah. Do you want to pass them back and forth? I, I think that's a good, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do plan. that. All right. You, you start off though. Where, where, where do you, who do you want to talk about? Uh, I'll do RJ Barrett first. Um, 
obviously a rough night for him. I'm sure it was even made rougher by the fact that like he wasn't closing the game, which I don't think is a knock on him. I think it was just Tibbs was literally like, this unit is closing the game for us right now. I'm not going to sub anybody out, even if RJ Barrett wouldn't necessarily harm things. Um, so I hope you didn't take offense to that. I'm sure it was a little disappointing to put up the two of 10 shooting line, only six points that he did, given the fact that he's facing Zion for the first time. They'll obviously be linked forever to a degree because, you know, Zion was the number one pick. RJ was the number three pick. They went to college together. Zion jumped over RJ in college to become that number one pick when RJ had been the number one player in their their draft class for like however long. That said, obviously they're friends. You know, it's not, I don't think that RJ is like, like, you know, mortal enemies with Zion or something, but I'm sure that he wanted to at least show out and be like, hey, look, I'm really good too. Um, Meanwhile, it it just didn't really happen for him. I think the main reason is that the Pelicans, they put out a pretty interesting defensive strategy against the Knicks. I'd be lying if I said I knew the exact X's and O's that went into it, but more or less they were like, we're going to smother you on the perimeter. Um, and then we know that we have enough paint clogging bodies like uh, Zion Williamson and Steven Adams and Jackson Hayes to deter you enough at the rim to make this difficult for you. Um, and that I think actually resulted in the Knicks needing to run a lot more like pick and roll and stuff than they're, they're used to. Um, but with RJ, it just, it didn't, work that great for him because part of what's allowed him to thrive lately is the fact that he, you know, has been getting inside finishing plays and stuff like that. That was sort of walled off for him as was the perimeter guys were sticking to him like glue on, you know, when he would try to shoot a three or whatever, or when he would try to dribble and create some space for himself, which is the one thing that he's just like, he's not Alec Burks in that regard yet. He can't just take the ball on the perimeter and just, well, we've seen him do it once or twice, but on an every night basis, he can't just sauce a guy up on the perimeter and, you know, create a three point shot for himself or something like we saw Alec Burks do a number of times during this game. Um, so, you know, just kind of a rough game for RJ. I think it was just the Pelicans had a really good game plan for taking him out of the game and it worked. Uh, but luckily, the Knicks had other players that were able to, uh, you know, kind of make up for that otherwise. And hopefully we'll see a bounce back game from him against Doncic and Porzingis on Friday. Yeah, um, I'll um, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll row through some of the unheralded heroes in in the starting lineup. Uh, Taj Gibson again, he played his age in minutes. I think he's thirty five, right? Is he thirty six now? I don't know. Whatever. Okay, well maybe maybe he played close enough. In <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, eight points, ten boards, two assists, two blocks. He had an insane play against Zion Williamson where he just stood him up. I couldn't quite tell if he blocked the shot or just his verticality got Zion to airball it, but he just went right up with him and Zion's like, damn, I didn't know I didn't know the old man could jump that high. <laughs> it seemed to be his reaction in the moment. And it was it, it was it was just great by Taj. And I, I continue to be wowed by his athleticism. I wanna get on whatever he's on um ASAP. So hit us up, Taj. I would honestly, Taj is Taj is very high on the list of of Knicks I'd want to have on the podcast, and maybe maybe during the offseason that's something we pursue because I'd argue also one of the most feasible for us to get on the podcast. Is I just I'm, I'm just gonna be like, what 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 is your secret, man? Is it, it, it's crazy how good he's been. Reggie Bullock, I, I thought his contributions were really crucial both offensively and defensively. Brandon Ingram made some crazy tough shots on him. Like I was I was really impressed by that, and like shots that really only like. 12 guys in the league could hit just 
shooting over his head on the run. But eventually, I think Bullock kind of kind of caught up with him, and, and Ingram was pretty efficient down the stretch. It was because Reggie defensively was, I mean, at least at least as far as I was watching, I'm sure multiple players guarded him. Um, did a did a really good job of making him work for it. Um, outside of a couple of pull up threes, and then offensively, six of ten from the field. Four of seven from distance, uh, the beneficiary, as always, of a lot of good passing from Julius Randle. Some good swing-swing sequences as well. Um, had a really nice play where he had a pump and a defender just flew by, right by him. Nailed the three. Uh, I, I just saw another awesome game for him. Alfred Payton, and I, not that great, 11, 7, and 4 um, in 20 minutes. Was a bit of a chucker. 11 shots in 20 minutes. Um, took some bad ones. Like I, I hated when he took that wing three early in the shot clock. I'm sure all of Knicks Nation, like, um, clinched at the same time, basically when that chat went up, not a great one, but he did have, um, this is, this is kind of crazy for a point guard Two uh, putbacks of air balls, which were um, really nice. Like he, he had a beautiful one where RJ was struggling to shake Najee Marshall and RJ finally like really nice dribble move, got some room uh, center running out at him, knowing the shot clock was essentially done air mails it and Peyton comes charging in from the perimeter catches and finishes really nice play. So I'll give elf some credit for that. But Alex, who, who stood out to you um, on the bench in this one outside of Alec Burks, obviously. Uh, Derek Rose, I thought it was fantastic. Again, I don't even know what more needs to be said about Rose at this point. He just kind of brings energy on both ends of the floor. Um, he even managed to get another block in this game. He's becoming like a shot blocking machine. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, but also two steals. I, I thought he brought good energy on defense, on offense, as usual, pushed the pace, had a really beautiful, and I don't know if this is a vintage, I don't. I wouldn't even call this a vintage D-Rose play, which is normally what we call as really good ones. This is like an old man savvy Derrick Rose play where he was on the break and he had, uh, he kind of like caught a steal up at the, uh, you know, up well ahead of the action, you know, for the rest of the Knicks. The rest of the Knicks were all kind of playing down on defense. He was up above the three-point line. And caught the steal around midcourt, but two Pelicans were able to get back to them. It was Kyra Lewis and someone else. And uh, Kyra was like directly in front of him. And he sort of had a uh, like welcome to the league sort of move on him where he, he took like almost a little Euro step uh, from right to left, but also brought the ball behind his back and then just finished smoothly with his left hand. It was a really beautiful finish. Uh, one that looked really good on like MSG slow-mo when they showed the, the little replay. After that play, um, a, a good, memorable old man Derrick Rose play, but in a good way. Um, and then I, I think, I don't know, I'm trying to think what else off the bench. Norvell Pell was pretty good. He, it seemed like he maybe wasn't going to see the floor at first because initially people were thinking like, like Obi Toppin was the first sub in for Julius Randle, which is weird because Randle's never the first sub. And people were like, oh, maybe that means, you know, when Taj comes out, Julius is going to come back in as the five and they're going to run uh, Obi and and Julius out there. But then that just didn't happen. They wound up putting Norvell Pell in and Pell put in, I think, 13 pretty quality minutes, like scored four points, three rebounds, a steal and a block. The block was on Zion Williamson, which that's cool. Um, he also got blocked by Zion Williamson on his one uh, make or sorry, his one miss from the field. And, uh, you know, that's not great, but other, I, I thought it was good for a dude that's on his second 10 day contract with the Knicks to get called on in an emergency situation like that and put in 13 minutes that were that good. Uh, I'm cool with it. I think they should sign him for the rest of the year, quite frankly, uh, especially because they literally have another roster spot still open if they really want it. So um, something to keep an eye on, I guess, going forward. And then I guess lastly, Emmanuel quickly, like, 
it was it was kind of weird his performance because I, I thought that he played really well in the first half and then you know he got a little bit of time in the second half and uh, or did he did he even play I'm trying to he didn't, I'm trying he didn't to score my... in the second half so yeah he didn't score in the second half but he did get in and a couple of the shot attempts were a little like that's how forgettable it was I was like wait was that the end of the second quarter or was that in the second half but it was in the second half he had a couple of bad attempts, you know, where it was a little forced, like one floater that just didn't have the right look to it right from the second and left his fingertips. And, um, you know, it was, it was just kind of one of those up and down games, but I thought that he was good in the first half, but he just played such a small stint for whatever reason in the first half that I think it was just kind of hard for him to get a rhythm going, um, which just rolled over in the second half too. So it's kind of a fine line. I feel like, I don't know where it's at on the schedule for the Knicks because um, their schedule remains pretty rough going forward here. But I feel like the Knicks just really need a a easy opponent for quickly to be able to get in there and have a bunch of minutes against and really get his mojo back. And hopefully that would inspire Tibbs to start playing him more again and have a little more faith in him. Looking at the schedule, maybe it could even be New Orleans on Sunday at home uh, or potentially charlotte next tuesday maybe the one of those two games could be a good one for quickly to get a lot of run uh but right now it just doesn't seem like tibbs really trusts him in close games at this point which you know it's kind of a i guess sort of like a chicken or the egg situation like is he struggling because he's not because he's not playing well or is he not or is he is he struggling because he's not playing enough or is he not playing enough because he's struggling sort of thing uh, I don't really know what the answer is. I, we're not in practices and stuff, so it's not like we can see quickly on a daily basis. But um, hopefully, you know, things get figured out as far as that's concerned. But that's pretty much the end of my notes, man. Uh, I think we're going pretty long, aren't we? So, yeah, it's probably about time to wrap up as it is. Yeah, let's just uh, quickly remind everyone. Uh, I, I'm going to, for the first time in, in the three years or so, Alex, we've been doing this podcast. I'm going to get this right tonight on Locker Room. Uh, we're, we're doing it at uh, 530. Um, so please join us. I, I, I'm just waiting for you to correct me. I, I so thought I, I, I must have got the date wrong somehow again. No, you got it, man. Um, you're, you're in good shape. I'm going to throw myself a party. Um, 5.30 tonight. Uh, last time was, again, uh, the most people we've ever had show up. We've had, we had like 15 to 17 people in there. And it's, it's a lot of fun because you have kind of the main conversation we're having with someone. But then in the chat, there's a side convo going on. Um, I would say at least maybe, maybe not, maybe not all week, but, uh, for that, for that 30 minute period, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. It's, it's the best place in the world to be a Knicks fan and, and discuss Knicks basketball. So we, we really encourage you to join us, get in on the conversation five 30. Um, if you can't make it for some reason, uh, that's totally cool. We will put it out as a podcast episode. So you still get to listen to it until next time, Gavin Schull, Alex, Wolf, peace out.